Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go straight off to our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. The last time we talked to this gentleman, he was uh, sitting in a hospital bed in Montreal dealing with COVID 19. Uh, he is at a uh, better place and giving the context of some of the things that have occurred uh, in, uh, throughout North America over the last week. We thought it would be appropriate to, to hook up with him, check in to see how he's doing and get his thoughts on things. We welcome back to the show uh, legendary Oilers enforcer, George LaRock. Hello, George. How you doing? What's up, Bum? How you doing, man? Hey, whoa, whoa. The name's Bob. What? That's what I said. Okay, okay. I thought you said something else. Uh... <laughs> Your nickname. <laughs> You're my <laughs> little bomb, you know, a little bomb, you know? <laughs> George. <laughs> and this is from the days of uh, running steps over at uh, Body by Bennett and uh, having some rather. No, but ever, uh... ever, since, ever since, Bob, ever since that I. Give you that buddy check, and then you you came after me like a bomb. That's why I called you like that. Oh, okay. You wanted, drop, you wanted to drop the glove after I give you that buddy check. Remember? How do, how can I forget the body check? I'm still feeling it, George. Twelve years later, you 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 hit me right in the soul, man. It really hurt. You know what's funny is that in the NHL, when I did checks like that, nobody came after me, and you you did. You actually did. <laughs> That's because that's because I knew you weren't going to beat the crap out of me. And the NHL player would have to think twice. George, how how's your uh, how how are you doing with uh, your health with the COVID nineteen? You uh, you really passed that now. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I'm a hundred percent now, Bob. I'm training for my third marathon next year, and now okay. I started to run already. I run uh, about five six times a week, uh, about ten to fifteen k at a time, and I'm really? doing pretty good. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually. I lost 40 pounds since the last time that I saw you, so I'm getting back in really, really good shape because I want to do four hours my next marathon. That's, oh, that's, that's awesome news. I'm glad to hear. I know that uh, it was a little bit scary for you with, uh, with COVID. You know that because you've got, obviously, your kids are here in town. Uh, you know that the rates are very low in Edmonton, and out, the province of Alberta has tested a lot. And, but in Montreal, George, it has been a real challenge, hasn't it? Yeah, no, especially with the CHSLD, uh, for the uh, uh, old people's home, because, you know, the biggest problem with that is nobody wants to work there. Everybody's afraid. And uh, it's a big, they're lacking so much, so many personnel that, that they need it. And it's really sad to see because uh, the older, the oldest people here, they're really, really struggling. And, and I knew I was going to be okay because I'm old and I'm younger and I'm in shape. But man, it's the old people here that, that are struggling because they're, they're suffering and there's not enough care for them so it's a really really sad situation but i think that at least now we see that it's starting to contain a bit the only thing that everybody's wondering is like the second curve when school's going to be open in august september uh, what it's going to be like that's what everybody's waiting for yeah george just to put things in perspective for our listeners uh you know edmonton in 10 weeks has had with the pandemic 
has had 13 deaths. There's only been one death That's in Edmonton over the, last, over the last month. Montreal, as you know, George, is up around 2,900 deaths. And that doesn't include Laval. And Laval would be what, like Sherwood Park or St. Albert in Edmonton? Yeah, is that... exactly. You're yeah. good. You know your geography, uh, Bob. You're good. Well, I, I, I know how to go to the casino to Montreal in Montreal. I can tell you that. And I never win there, George. And you tell me all the time, don't go to those places. All right. Uh, hey, George, with all seriousness, things got serious throughout North yeah. America. We had uh, Kevin Weeks uh, on the show yesterday to talk a bit about ex- his experience, and I wanted to, to get you on today. Uh, you know, uh, when you were growing up, you know, how much how much racism did you think you experienced along the way in your journey? Maybe maybe before you got to junior hockey or once you got to junior hockey, oh, and that man. sort of thing. You know, when I played minor hockey, Bob, if you saw me play minor hockey and you watched me from the stand, you would think my name was Negger. Because parents from the stand, that's all they called me. They yelled me, they called me the N-word every game. It was nonstop. It was so bad that my parents stopped going watching me in minor hockey because they were like, you know what, this is a bad environment. And they didn't want me to play hockey because they thought that if I grew with this hatred, it was going to affect me as a man. Right. So they tell me to quit. You can't play hockey with this. It's terrible. Because so, my parents, when they came to Haiti at 20 years old, they didn't know anything about hockey. They didn't right. teach me hockey. They didn't watch hockey. And even less, they didn't understand why everybody was shouting racial slur at me while I was playing. So it, it was insane. So my entire minor hockey was like this. And one of the big reasons why I never stopped, not just because of my dream to play in the NHL, I wanted to do like Jack Robinson and prove people wrong when they would call me name and use that as a motivation to make it. Because as a kid, I read his autobiography. There was a kid version of it. And I read how what, what he went through to make it to major baseball. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to play in the NHL and going to write my own autobiography to, uh, to uh, you know, encourage other minority that wanted to play hockey because there wasn't a lot. And I did both. I realized both dreams. Did you uh, did you see? So you said in minor hockey, you experienced that. Did it continue through to uh, to junior as well, or did... uh, junior hockey wasn't as bad? Some some little town where we went to, people were shouting stuff at me from the stand. It wasn't yeah. as bad because there wasn't as much. It was still bad, but you know, yeah. still I was really close to to being in the NHL, so I didn't care. And as you, all, you guys all know, in the NHL, to me, there's only one little incident that happened is, is with Sean Avery, but. You know, I like talking about it. And you know why I like talking about the Sean Avery incident? Because I like talking about how close our team was. And Macky did one thing that I will never, ever forget until I die. When Sean Avery called me the N-word, uh, Jason Smith kind of did a scrum, and the guys on my team jumped him because they knew what he did. And after the game, it was in L.A. that happened, L.A. Staples Center. We were parking underneath the, the buses, parked underneath the Staples Center before we go to the airport. And all the cars from the L.A. players were parked there. And Avery was coming out, going to his, in his car. And Mac T came out of the bus to confront him. And all my teammates followed him. Bob, yeah. I'll never forget that moment. That, yeah. that right there made me appreciate the fact that I was protecting this guy. But having Mac T, my coach, up front and all the guys follow him to yell and, and, and to go at Sean Avery, it was, I'll never forget it till I die. It was unbelievable. And for that, I have the utmost respect for Mac T for doing you that. Know, it's funny, George, when, when we told people that you were coming on to the show today, a lot of people said, well, Bob, how many guys would say something to George because George could kick the living crap out of virtually any player? And you never really want, like, you never fought 
mad that often. I mean, you were mad fighting Rob Ray for some stuff that happened some, when Rob took some advantages of uh, Dougie Waite in, in, uh, when he was yeah. in Edmonton early in the and, season. And, yeah. and, and, and so the question I have for you is, did, did you think that maybe uh, you didn't have more negative experiences like the one with Avery because, let's face it, you were the heavyweight champ on the National yeah. Hockey League and guys were scared blankless. You, you know what I mean? They just, they wouldn't... But, but... But Bob, that's a that's actually a really good point because people knew that you know that I was tough, and they most people knew that I didn't fight mad. But if somebody was to get me mad, I don't know what I would have done. So I I would ne- I never try to to think what I could have done because yeah. actually when Sean Avery did that to me, I was standing in front of him. I knew he was never gonna drop the glove with me. But the first thing that came to my mind is to hit him in the head with my stick. Right. But I knew if I did that, my career in the NHL would have been done. It would have been done. So I, I started thinking. So when I went on the bench, because after he did that, I went back in the, you know, in, in the dressing room because there was one period left. And I was sitting in my stall, and I was in trance, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, what am I going to do? So the guys looked at me, and they're like, George, what's wrong? And, and I didn't want to talk. And, and they were like, George, what happened? And then I told them. And before I even had time to think about what I was going to do to him, my teammates jumped him. They jumped him. They opened him up. He had to go for stitches or whatever. So it was like, oh, there's a bit of retribution. Like, it was nice to see. So it kind of called me down. But, Bob, maybe if that didn't happen, maybe today I'm not talking to you. Maybe I don't, I don't play 13 years in the NHL. Because there's one thing is that when stuff like that happens, sometimes the court, it touches each other. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to react. Right. You could go crazy, right? And 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 when he and he never apologized. You know what the league did because Sean Avery obviously he, he denied that. And what the, and and what the league did is every time I played him after I played with a hitting mic because it was like if he said that again, you're gonna catch him. But he never said another word again. All the other games that I played to make sure that uh, he was never uh, he was never never gonna get caught. We're joined by George LaRock, very popular former member of the Edmonton Oilers, one of the toughest players to played in the uh, National Hockey League. And you know, it's it's, uh, it's a brutal thing. It's great that your teammates uh, stuck up for you. Uh, yes. And it's great. It's but, great. But, you... but, 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 Bob, I gotta Go say, I gotta say something uh, with everything that happened. Can I say? Can you can you give me five minutes? Yes. You go go okay. for it. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you guys about th- those last little incidents that has happened, you know, in the world with the police officers and everything. And what I want to say to everybody is that as bad as those incidents are, and I think those guys should should pay should should should, should pay and should go to court and go to jail for what they've done. We can't put all police officers in the same boat. My brother is a police officer for 20 years now, and I'm hearing too much people criticizing police because police they put their life at risk every single day for us. And little incident happened. It's unfortunate, but we can't put them all in the same boat because of what has happened. Because, you know, it's like little incident happened and you paint all the wall pictures for everyone because my brother is like, he's really affected by it. And, in, and thankfully in Canada, he's not as bad as in the States. That is the first thing that I wanted to say. Another thing I wanted to say about racism is that all the protests that we're doing, even though they're specific, it's not going to change anything. Because every time there's the specific protest, there's people taking advantage of breaking things. I think racism, if we want it to stop, it starts with one another, all ourselves. Because if you look at racism, yeah, we could say that some white people are racing towards black people, but there's even black people that are racist. There's tons of people that are racist. And actually, racism is not just towards race. 
is towards somebody from another religion, towards women for inequality, towards people that are homosexual. All that stuff is a form of racism that is unacceptable in 2020. So if one thinks to change, we all have to look at one, one another in the mirror and tell ourselves, okay, what kind of person am I? If I want change in the society, I'm going to start with myself accepting the differences because we all want, we all equal, and I'm going to raise my kids the same way. Because until we all do so, and we don't raise all their kids the right way, things are never going to change, and in 10 years, we're going to have the same discussion. That's why when I talk about this, we have to, it's good in social media to put all those messages and, and those things that matters and, and all that, but it doesn't change. It doesn't do anything. We have to look at one another and say, you know what? I'm going to be a change today. I'm going to be a good influence around people that are around me. So then this chain of racism that keeps growing is going to stop on my side, on my family, with my circle of friends. And if we all do this in five years, things are going to be much better. And we're going to stop talking about racism because it's embarrassing that every couple of years, incident happen and it brings everything back. And it looks like as a society, we're going backwards. Thanks, Bob. Hey, you just you could drop the mic right now, George. That was awesome. <laughs> we, we can replay that. That was great stuff. That's the best you. you've ever. That's the best you've ever sounded, man. Right oh, now they you, want buddy. you to. Right now, George, they want you to be Prime Minister of Canada. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you've got Bob, our list. Bob, I told you, Bob. Take me regularly. Take me once a week. I'll take. I'll find you a subject that are entertaining <laughs> for a fan. <laughs> oh, now, that, was, now that uh, now that I'm not suspended anymore, you can take me one a week, <laughs> once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, that's that's great stuff. So you're back at it. You're uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna run a marathon, and you're getting ready for the marathon that is politics, eh? <laughs> yeah, but actually, you know what? You know what? I can't wait. Actually, Bob, is to come to Edmonton because right now we if we we can't still I can't still go on a plane to go to Edmonton. Right. I want to see my twins, and I want to get I want to do stuff in the community, but I can't. Like so, that's the sad thing right now is that I have to wait a bit still because things are not stable enough to be able to fly. You have to have reason to fly to go that far away and, and you have still they they're still talking about confinement if I go there and all that stuff. So hopefully things here in Montreal calm down. So I could finally come down to my second home, which is in Edmonton. Yeah. Well you know what? Uh Terry O'Flynn has just texted me and says uh, I Bob I gotta I gotta hook George up here for uh I, I didn't now I didn't know what, what what the heck is this called? It's uh uh is, is that, yeah, is that, it, Bob, actually, you, you know, if I ever need a blood transfusion, you put Camus through my veins. This is the <laughs> only wine that I drink. All the other wines to me, it tastes like vinegar. The guy, uh, and I'll give you a little story about this, how funny it is. One time we're going on the road, and I brought back like four cases of Camus, and we're going through custom, and you can hear cling, cling, cling. And the guy's like, do you have anything to declare? And the guys on the team were laughing. They're like, George, what are you doing? So I was like, I had no choice, because it was clinging, right? Like, it was like... I was like, yeah. yeah, actually, I have 60 bottles of wine. It was the funniest thing because, uh, <laughs> and then the guy let me go because he usually all this fun. But, uh, yeah, oh, all man. I drink, Bob, is Camus. And because of that all over the years, every time I drink something else, when somebody gives me wine for, 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 for Christmas or my birthday, I use it as balls and make vinegar for my salad. I don't even drink it. Oh, wow, that's all. <laughs> George, I just want, while I got you here, for uh, I'm going to bang off. Uh, a minute worth of text, okay? Sean says, well said, George. Your passion is palpable and genuine. Another texter says, George for mayor. Uh, Derek says, man, did George hit the nail on the head? Uh, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, 
Okay, uh, this text comes in from Craig. He says, okay, that settles it. George LaRocque is the best guest ever. Gas B says, uh, this is awesome from George. So there's some quick responses. Uh, another texter says, beautiful, George. Beautiful, George. I don't know if that, uh, you, do you hear that often, beautiful, George? I, I know no, this. I, 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 uh, no, you know, the only thing I heard is curious, George, because that little monkey. And I see uh, when people call me like, no, it's true. I, 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 when I was when I was younger, I heard that all the time. But uh, it doesn't matter because I was like, when people were saying that, I was like, hey, I'm the size of a gorilla. So if you want to be a man enough, call me a gorilla. Uh, I know it's George, a racist term, but George, still, you know George. that's what I would say when people call me like that. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I got not. I got you one area. Uh, we used to have karaoke. You had a couple karaoke contests at your house. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to think. What was your go-to song that you always uh, went with on karaoke? Uh, it was actually it was I think it, I think it was Coldplay, Fix You <laughs> or or I, I did some Mariah Carey too, some Celine Dion too, to, just to be funny. But yeah. uh, I like uh, I, I like you to all the anything. What you want me to sing? No, nobody wants you to sing on the air. That's bad radio. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 I love how you just stopped me right away because you yeah. knew I was going to do it. No, uh, but but I, I do recall. I still have the trophy here at the Stoffer House. I know, house. I know. I didn't think that you could sing. You were very good, and you won a trophy at my house singing. You were, I, I, Bob, I have to say, you know, when you talk on the radio, you never know how somebody sounds what they're singing, right? There was 60 right. people at my house when we did this contest, and everybody was there, and you actually did you did pretty good. I did. I always do little trophies for that, and you won. Like that. You were, I was surprised. I, never, I didn't think that you could sing, so I have to give it to you. Uh, you were uh, you were you were quite the surprise. I was ready to laugh, and when you started singing, I was like, "Oh my God, he is good." So uh, I, I appreciate. You don't just have a face for the mic, man. You don't just have a face for the mic. You can sing. There, there we go, George. I, I, I would say this. I would gladly give up uh, uh, having a, a average to on some days average to okay singing voice if I could have played eight or nine hundred games in the NHL hey, like you. Hey, Bob. Bob, I wanted to ask you, what's your take on that in the NHL? Uh, uh, that might be coming back and might be playing. Uh, well, we're running up against the clock. I, you know what, George? I'm a little Are concerned. Are you serious? You, you don't even leave time to talk about hockey? <laughs> George, after you delivered what you delivered today, I was tempted just, that's George. <laughs> uh, I, well, what, George, every, you know what? I'm on every day talking to the listeners. I think we're about 65-35 that we're going to play. What about you? Do you think we're going to play? I think I, I think it's about same sixty five thirty five. But uh, what I want to ask you is that, and I think it's time to, to that that we start rolling like living a normal life because uh, right now we're killing the economy and the economy is going to be way worse than the, this crisis right now. And the time that sports and everything, we start you know living our lives so people have a regular routine. But I wanted to, what I wanted to ask you, and I don't know how much time we have, I wanted to ask you about this format of twenty fourteen. What you thought about that? More than if we're going to play or not. Well, I mean, in Montreal, are they happy they're going to play the Pittsburgh Penguins? Not everybody is happy because they think that uh, it's embarrassing in a way because we know that the league is doing that to bring more revenue, but the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. It has to be a best of seven. How could you bring eight teams that, you know, the regular season, 82 games, even though they play full 82 games, is supposed to mean for something. There are so many guys that are against it, and you should think, you, you should see what the Pittsburgh players think of playing in the first round, the Canadians that shouldn't be there, and now they have to play Carey Price, and now the Canadians have a chance to knock them off. So so I just think that, you know, 
I understand why they're doing it to try to bring revenue back. So the escrow next year is not too much. And, and with the cap, the, the cap uh, that you don't want to hurt the teams too much. But having 24 teams is a bad idea. There's going to be an asterisk this year of whoever team is going to win the cup. And I hope that it's not going to be one of the eight teams that didn't make the playoffs that are in because, man, it's not it's not going to be good. And what are they going to do? They're playing with no fans. There's not going to be parade. There's not going to be anything. So, you know, it's going to be weird. All right, George. We are literally up against the news here. Can, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's talk about this next week, okay? Awesome. And anytime, Bob. Tell me whatever you want. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I love talking to you. It's awesome. Your fans are great. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, George. Terrific job. That is George LaRock, former oiler, joining us out of uh, Montreal this afternoon. Uh, we will tell you Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned an operator for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The staffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, here's Brendan Escott. Back in 1959, Oiler, former Oilers rear guard uh, Charlie Huddy is born in Oshawa, Ontario. He played 11 seasons in Edmonton between 1980 and 1991. He scored 368 points across 694 games and won five Stanley Cups. Not bad for a free agent signing back in 1979. He was claimed by Minnesota in the 91 expansion draft, but returned to Edmonton as an assistant coach in 2000. That's when, of course, Kevin Lowe took over the team uh, as the general manager. All right. Uh, tonight, uh, we got Global News Hour from 6 to 7. Uh, what's up with Reed Wilkins, 7 to 8 on Inside Sports? You are going to hear from Kelly Rudy and former voice of the Toronto Raptors and current radio voice of the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Sversky. All right. Uh, we will tell you coming up with Jalen Nye in the 6.30 chat afternoons. They're going to talk to a professor with expertise in mass protest movements to get a sense of the scale of what we've seen in the United States over the past week uh, historically and whether real policy change could come from the protesters' actions. Uh, we are going to replay the George LaRock uh, I, I don't know what you want speech, I guess. Uh, man, I think he he killed it for uh, many of you out there listening. No question about that. Off to, uh, we'll do that early in tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. Brian Lott will join us from the NHL Network. David Staples from Cult of Hockey. And one more special guest as well. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen and I. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.